find? Because um, as somebody who is uh, biracial and multicultural and lived in like so many different places, I completely know all too well what that's like racism, especially in the Middle East um, and how it unfolds. And I do think that as a community, like all, like folks in the Arab world, folks who have been colonized, folks who like um, they've lost their sense of identity where it has um, kind of like. And, and you see it in terms of, um, you know, just internalized racism and, and there's, there is no better way to kind of put it right. Where it's like, we're still valuing, um, certain things like lighter skin. I know it's very popular in East Africa for women to still continue to this day to bleach their skin. That is, that is still a popular thing. The numbers are ridiculous. Exactly. And yeah, we, and we have a term for it in Sudanese, which is fasakh, but like in other, by the way, in other, Arab languages, that's a horrible term. But in Sudanese Fasakh is like they use a lot of chemicals to bleach out their skin because we have a lot of colorism in Sudan because exactly. of that. Exactly. It's it and colorism is very real, right? And so you have where where we are in the Arab world, like we we pretend to have this pride in in what we are and who we are, but in my opinion, it's a it's a facade, it's a filler for the things that we are lacking. We still um, see, for example, like um, people who are I know from my personal experience, and I'm sure of of my siblings as well, being biracial. And growing up in Saudi Arabia was a challenge in terms of uh, coming in and out of airports. It's like, oh, um, Sudanese, Shagala. It's like common, you know? And that's- right. So let's explain <laughs> that for people who don't speak Arabic. So uh, your, your yeah. heritage is that your father is Eritrean Sudanese. Yeah. And your mother is Palestinian. Correct. So, um, so Shagala is something that my mom, my mom, I'm Iraqi Filipino. So my mom was called the maid. As right. you walk through the airport, yeah. because she had a Filipino passport, she would say, they would ask, oh, you're the, are you you're the maid? maid? Which is what they'd ask you as you were going through the airport to right. go live your life in Saudi. Right. right? And it's like people wow. would like have that. It's, it's like that automatic, like, and that to me is, it shows like how unhealthy um, our views are of ourselves, right? Where it's like yes. you you're simply, you know, tying two things that can be very unrelated um, and making them seem that it's perfectly okay to say. And it's like, no, like that's because of all the self-hate that you have for being Mm -hmm. brown, for being black, for being, for having an African nose, for having um, whatever it is, for having um, an, an Arab body or, you know, and, and, in Palestine, for example, being of lighter skin is still celebrated. Um, I know my grandma sent us this video about the history of the town they come from. And in that in that uh, little video, which was a lovely video, and it, and it uh, talked about the history of the town and all of that. But then one of the people on the show was like, mm. the women of this town were always uh, held in high regard because of how light their skin is. And so can you send me this video? Yeah. May I have yeah, this video? Absolutely. I'm just I'm collecting because the truth is as sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, please, please continue. Have at it. No, go ahead. 
I was just saying that um, we, I am yearning, and I believe I'm not the only one, for a much more detailed emotional, emotional study and qualitative study on the actual displacement and its impact that we're feeling intergenerationally. Because most of us now, as a result of the political displacement that happened in our grandparents' time, mm-hmm. are experiencing this third cultureness that we're all trying to kind of deconstruct and define. Uh, and I think you're very much a true reflection of that. You have an anti-oppressive yeah. lens that you perceive the world with, and that is hot, like really refined by your personal experiences in the world as you navigated being, you know, a young African Arab woman in the Arab world in a spot where your brownness, like my brownness, was never celebrated. No. Like, And that's something that, you know, as women, owning it is one journey, but then not passing it on is another. Right. Because there's th- those are two mm-hmm. like completely <laughs> different things, you know, you know. Yeah. So uh, do you know of any studies that are being done right now that we can kind of look at and tap into when it comes to displacement? Is there a word for it? Is it displacement? It is. It is displacement trauma. That's exactly what it trauma. is. It's it is trauma mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And it's like um, and I was reading this like really um Qu- interesting article and it was more about the indigenous people and they they say it takes about you know something along the lines and I'm just like thumbing it right now because I don't recall the words I can find it and I will send it to you and it basically says it takes about seven generations to heal that displacement trauma which is a long time Mm. if you think about it and it also Mm. says if you don't know where you come from then you don't know where you're going and and yes we often um Especially, I find the challenges of people who are um, of multi-ethnic uh, backgrounds are at a disadvantage because they're often caught up between you got to pick where you belong. Yes. Are you from yeah. Iraq or are you from the Philippines? You got to pick. Yeah. You can't be mm-hmm. both. We've always and been. And then when you naturalize as a Canadian, that's such a part of your identity. And like where does 100%. that fit in? Those are the, you know, the immigrant experience and it's and all of its questions, right? Right. Yeah. And even when you do, you're still kind of like, do I really belong here? Because there's often people who are constantly oh. like throwing that in your face, like, Nope. Like, let me remind you again. That's not. <laughs> yeah, you don't belong. You don't here belong. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, and that's why. And this is really interesting because the truth is that questioning whether I belong, and and this entire show was built on Ot's kind of you know quest for home and where he belongs because Sudan is not necessarily where you feel like you know you're going to go home to, right? Um, that yeah. displacement. I think that we should make a pointed effort to study it, to archive it to curate it. And then I don't know, seven generations, if everyone's trying. Absolutely. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Like there's, there's that, there's the assumption that everybody's doing their part in these (laughs) seven generations. But like, so question, I mean, it's, I I understand that in in this sense is displacement trauma, but what is, what is it when like, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm digging a bit here, but so the Sudanese experience of, and I think a big part, and this was part of my journey, was that like on this side of the world, until until Sudani, until whatever, and you know, you get all these kind of comments, mm-hmm. right? And and it's interesting because I was I was I was writing about this the other day because some um for for an interview for um 
this website. And one of the, the, the things that I remembered was that I'm like, on one end, on one front, I'm fighting for my Sudaneseness on both ends. One end is in the Arab world and why mm-hmm. I am Arab and why I mm-hmm. deserve to be here and why I deserve that respect, right? But then in Sudan, I'm fighting for my Sudaneseness as well because like it's with the Muhtaribin, like you're not you're you're the sons of the immigrant. Y'all don't belong here. You're not one of us. You're the like, one no, no, from no, away, from away. The concept right? of being from yeah. away. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that that that's that displacement trauma. But then also on the other end, there's this conversation piece where like I remember my grandmother, may she rest in peace, like um, with the best of her intention. But like she had such racial beliefs that she is Arab and she is white. And like, you know, she I, the, the jokes and the stories are like her giving my mom shit because, oh, my mom gave us the curly hair and her side of the family. My, and my dad is like with the nice hair. Mind you, my dad's hair is horrible. Like, <laughs> but my grandma was in the sense of denial, thinking that her son is this poster child of Arab straight hair whiteness. But see, that goes right? back to internalized and, racism because to right. them it's like yeah. less than. Like it's like you've got the curly African hair, therefore you are less than. And there is that notion of yeah, right. And so, like to me, that's really dangerous when it goes unaddressed which it often is yeah. right mm-hmm. so and especially like for the un- like i find especially for sudanese people it's so unique because where they are black in skin and 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 arab in tongue and so there mm. is that like where I, I think Sudanese people are highly conflicted in where they want to fit. And in fact, they don't know where they fit. And this is like a thing mm, that has happened deeply. to them for many, many, many years being um, placed on the African continent and so close to the Arab world and embracing Islam and all of these things that that will make you more Arab, I guess, because people yeah. have that notion where it's like religion and and ethnicity are one mm-hmm. or whatever. And so... I, I do find it's uh, it's created it's it's carrying on that uh, intergenerational trauma that's occurring and it's and being passed down. Self loathe too. Correct. I think. Correct, and that goes back. Yeah. Why are they self loathing? Because of the uh, internalized racism that they have absorbed, whether or not they believe it. It's uh, being mm, Arab is yeah. better than being African. That's the notion. Yeah, so that's the notion. Yeah, because... But how do we deconstruct that or how do we break... Not deconstruct it. How do we annihilate that? Because for me, when I look at it, it's so systematically ingrained. It's so difficult to break apart from it. It is systematic. And and the other thing is that what's projected... And and this is, the I think, the chain of abuse, if you will, where what's projected to the Sudanese by the Arabs... Sudanese people are projecting to other Africans. Correct. Mm. Right? And and that that's part of that self-loathe where it's like, but this guy looks a lot more like you in appearance, but you disconnect yourself from them so far and say that they're different. Yeah. Right? Which I, I always found to be very strange. And I remember like, and as a kid, it's like, but wait, no, how are we doing this? Why are we saying these things? That's not right, you know? And and that's why, you know, we chased our likeness in other avenues. Mm-hmm. Because if my likeness within Sudan is so charged and so negative, I cannot be here, right? Physically, mentally, emotionally, I cannot be here because, you know, like my best friend in school is Nigerian, but then my, my grandma back home tells me, no, that's not one of us. 
Right. right? Mm-hmm. But then in school, the Nigerian and I look so much alike compared to everybody else. Of course. Right. Oh, because you, so like, you all look the same. They say, they're like, you all look the same. Right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, like, so then th- these were, like, I think these are the, the, the thoughts and the experiences that you go through. Where it's like, yeah. how, how do I define or make sense of any of this? Well, I think the Black Lives Matter movement that's happening right now in the U.S., what I hope after all of the things that we'll see probably by the time this episode is out, we'll have a lot more clarity on how to... Um, really navigate this within our communities because I don't think revolutionary change happens on Twitter. I don't think it happens on Instagram. And I certainly don't think it happens on CNN. I think it happens in inside communities, in in the work that you do, Rania, in those every phone call, in therapy sessions, and making those sessions available to people is necessary, number one. Calling it out, saying we are racist and we need to fix that. We have racist strains through all of our Arab communities and it's hurting us. Um, And finding ways and tools in this resistance that we can apply in our communities in a peaceful and loving manner. Uh, And that requires correction and correction and correction. I don't have these tools right now. I'm seeing them starting to develop online and through our communities, but Mm -hmm. I don't have them now. Because if you told me, Reem, start a community uh, organization and have them educate people in this way, I will do everything in my power to do that. But I don't know what that practice is. Right. What's but that I, practice? I also exactly. want to, like, I'm glad yeah. you touched on those things. Community starts at home. Let's be real. Community yes. starts yes. at home. And we forget that often. And so we have mm-hmm. to be very cognizant. And again, we go back to mindfulness because we're mm-hmm. often so absent from the words that we use and we choose that are, you know, there's a lot of racism that's embedded in the language in itself. And so this is yeah. where you're going to have to be cognizant Every single individual, whether they're in or at a therapy, it has to happen by each and every one of us. Like that awareness to the language, to the words that we use, rather than just use them haphazardly. How often have Mm -hmm. you heard people say, oh, Masri, in a way where it's like condescending, where it's like, it's -hmm. not the word necessarily, it's how we're saying it. And you can- It's the context. It's the context and you can hear the racism within it. And you're like, well, when did this, when did it become- um, such a derogatory so term. Charged. Yeah, to be from yeah. somewhere, right? And it's like, why are we putting things down rather than lifting it up? And it goes back to yeah. learning the history. In fact, you should be proud, for example, if you're from Egypt, to be from Egypt, the cradles of civilization, Iraq, same thing, Philippines, yeah. Sudan, wherever. There's always things to be celebrated, yet we compare it to, um, I don't know how to put it, but it's like you're comparing it to white history lightness, and lightness, yeah. whiteness, you know. And, and I think that, like, I'm I'm not afraid to say that because I've it's been it's been literally I've had to undo that in my lifetime. Right. What is foreign and Western and white is privileged and good and inherently correct. 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 And that's yeah. not that. Uh, yeah. And this is not. And and um, may this time show us that. Actually, one if COVID teaches us anything, <laughs> we're all so the same. Not all the time. We are all the same. And uh, you know, yeah. I do think that 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 whole I, as we're we're trying to understand it, even after our years in university, engaging in the world, 
doing this work on a daily, weekly, hourly basis, we're still confused. So imagine people who are just engaging or just, you know, so yeah. Yeah. And I think if if you don't mind Rania, because I think um, we can help from, we can really uh, benefit from hearing what you're hearing on the ground there. Even when, when it comes to the work with indigenous people, if you feel like there's an avenue that we can sort of reflect here or mirror here, please do share it with us because I'm just looking for any answer I can. And I know OT and Akawi are as well. Absolutely. Like I will share it. Whatever resources come my way, whatever resources I have, because I think the walk towards healing and reconciliation, which is something that the indigenous people have really like had a good handle on um, in -hmm. terms of idea. I think there's a lot to learn from that. And I think if we start applying that um, each and every one of us, I think we will at least um, start making headway toward, towards to where we want to be. And I think we need yeah. to recognize and, and find out where we want to go. Um, because yes. mm. that's, that's how, how do you move forward without knowing where you want to end up? Like, how do you plan? How do you plot? How do you? So as, as part of COVID, I've had a lot of time to think <laughs> because I've been at home and very radically accepting my my uh, current circumstance. And I would like to be bold <laughs> enough to say that where I'd like us to go is an Arab world that doesn't see each other as different, mm-hmm. but rather sees ourselves as the po- the pocket from which the world shines. Mm-hmm. And that means we need to inherently be connected and respect that connection, but also we have to celebrate each other and our differences Correct. and respect those differences and uh, have equity on every social class platform and every gender um, you know, orientation. Uh, and that is what a world I'd like to work towards a very, it, very complicated and very simple world. But I think if we don't say that, you know what I mean? It becomes really difficult to imagine it. And now I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to say it. This is what I want. Yeah. Just define <laughs> like, it. I want this. Define it for and what that it is. Okay. You should, you should be able <laughs> yeah. to express your wants and needs. That is, that is you know? perfectly acceptable. You know, so I think if you don't mind, thank you for your time again and your wisdom. (laughs) It just, it helps so much to have these conversations, especially during these confusing times. And uh, I think OT will figure out how to share all the information that you send over. And if any point in time later on, you see something that we can reflect in our community here that could help, um, we'd really appreciate it. And and similarly, we'll connect people to you who we think might need a little bit of extra help on the side. Absolutely. (laughs) Extra love. But one Yeah, like one thing I do want to say for people is that to people is that it all starts with self-love. And if you're lacking self-love, it's going to be really challenging to um, give other people love. So really, again, we go back to internalizing things and and, um, being mindful of who we are and what we are and just giving ourselves the love that we Mm -hmm. we deserve, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank Definitely. you, Rania. Uh, Thank anytime. you so much. Anytime. And yo, if you're still considering at some point moving out here, it seems like you know it needs you more than ever. So <laughs> you, you, we need you. You know what? You are welcomed with open arms. I am come genuinely. Come once the borders open. Come I am through, genuinely yeah. hoping and to we'll be, be there hugging, by don't September. Worry. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the human touch is necessary. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. I really appreciate all of you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ryan. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks for the great chat.
Thank you. Salam. Salam.